is moving more or less in line with the U.S. dollar against other currencies. So, um, you know, Hong Kong is now becoming a, a much better place in terms of its currency strength versus the euro, Japanese yen, sterling, etc. Barry, very, very quickly, because we're running out of time, our one-month high bore, which is the key rate for mortgages, at 0.65%. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield this morning is at 3.28% and presumably could easily be heading for 4% very quickly. I think it could. And mortgage rates have doubled in the, in the last uh, five months. So uh, it's going to be a hit to the US housing market. Okay, well, thank you all very much. You heard there our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood, who's over in Washington, uh, Stuart Allcroft, Asia Fund Management Industry Consultant, and Dickie Wong, who's Head of Research at Kingston Securities. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a quick look around Asia-Pacific stock markets as they open up this morning. The ASX 200 in Australia is up 0.4%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 has risen a quarter of a percent. The Cosby in South Korea down about a quarter of a percent. Looks like the Hang Seng is also going to fall about 90 points or so at the open this morning. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for some more Money Talk. Coming up after the news, back chats with Janice Wong and Anna Fenton. The weather forecast, mainly fine, very hot during the day. There is a very hot weather warning in force. That maximum temperature is going to be around 33 degrees and then fine and very hot in the next couple of days. The temperature right now is 29 degrees and it's 77% relative humidity. Time's coming up to 8.32. Here's Andrew Shorosky with the Half Hour News. China Light and Power says it will need two days to restore electricity to 20,000 households after a fire at a cable bridge caused a huge blackout yesterday evening across New Territories West. It said the outage had affected 160,000 households, but 140,000 of them had had their power restored by 11pm. At a press conference shortly after midnight, CLP's Chief Corporate Development Officer, Quince Chong, apologised for the incident. On behalf of CLP, we'd like to apologise to the residents and customers. At around 10 minutes past 7, we received a report that there was an incident at a cable bridge affecting Yunlong, Qinshui Wei and Tunmun. At the time of the incident, we calculated some 160,000 households had been affected. At the moment, we have received no reports of injuries. The Fire Services Department says the cause of the fire is not yet known. The government said it was concerned about the incident and wanted a detailed report from CLP and assurances that it would not happen again. Classes at more than a dozen schools in Tinsoi Wai will be suspended today due to the problems with the power outage. The Education Bureau said the schools will arrange staff to look after any students who will still turn up for classes. Schools in the district are also advised to be flexible in dealing with the issue. The government has asked the owners of the Jumbo Floating Restaurant for a report on how it came to capsize last Saturday in the South China Sea. Yesterday, the Marine Department said it had cleared the iconic restaurant to leave Hong Kong for Cambodia on June the 14th, after the owner had hired surveyors to make sure it was seaworthy. The department said maritime traffic within Hong Kong waters had been managed accordingly, but hadn't been informed of the capsizing before the owners announced the news on Monday. 
The Hong Kong Rugby Union has played down the news that the opening of two of the three main venues at the Kai Tak Sports Park for the Hong Kong Sevens have been pushed back at least a year. The delay is being blamed on the pandemic, but the Commissioner for Sports, Yung Tak Kung, says they'll still be ready for the national games in 2025. The Chief Executive of Hong Kong Rugby Union says the delay is understandable given the impact of the pandemic. Here's Robbie McRobbie. Really, from a, from a Rugby Sevens point of view, doesn't particularly affect us. It just means we've got another year left uh, at the existing iconic stadium in Socon Po. Um, we're very much looking forward to the completion of the, the Kai Tak Park. We know it's going to be a, an amazing state-of-the-art facility, but um, one more year in, in, uh, in the old sound stands and in the old stadium, it's, uh, it's certainly not the end of the world. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong. And I'm Anna Fenton. On today's programme, we're talking about the phenomenon of lying flat among young Hong Kongers after a recent study by the Society for Community Organisation found that nearly one in four young people from low-income families here have opted to lie flat or just do the bare minimum to get by. But why? Some respondents say they have no hope for the future. Others say they are happy with the status quo. After 9.15am, we'll talk about the jumbo floating restaurant that has capsized in the South China Sea, less than a week after being towed away from Aberdeen Harbour. Let us know your thoughts, your questions and your comments on our Facebook page, Backchat at RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us, of course, and our number is 23388266. Now to uh, kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line... Angus Chan, a researcher at Mingwai Youth Office. Silai Shan, the Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organization. And uh, Rizwan Ula, a member of the Youth Commission, will be joining us a little later. Um, good morning to the both of you and uh, welcome to Backchat. Um, let's start with you, Ms. C. Um, so your survey found that around one out of four young people from low-income families have opted to lie flat or just do the bare minimum to get by. Uh, are you surprised by that finding? Uh, yes, um, actually, we, we also we find that actually um, it's the definition of the youth uh, of the nine flat is the affect their choice. So as if they think the nine uh, flat it means they accept their realistic world, um, that means um, they just accept their, the the existing uh, situation. They will choose to uh, uh, say, I will, I will choose to learn fret more. But if the learn fret means laziness, they will not choose, they will choose that than this. Yeah. Right. So, like I- um, like I mentioned at the beginning of the program, um, some respondents in your study who have opted to lie flatter said they have uh, no hope for the future or, or they're happy with their current situation. Um, did they explain why they feel that way? I mean, yeah, do you have any idea why they feel that way? Yeah, um, actually they think that because, um, for example, um, they, they don't have uh, enough resources to uh, develop their study and besides, and they think that they are some of them they are living in very poor situation and their the range is very high and the price of the property is very high 
and there is no hope to improve their housing um, environment, this kind of thing, living environment. Right. So they think there are no hope to to improve their uh, future. And uh, Ms. C, do, do you know if there's a difference between like these young people you surveyed, aged uh, 15 to 25, and uh, let's say um, adults? No, I think mean, most of the, uh, our is uh, those uh, studying uh, college right, uh, uh, in our, in our uh, survey. So they've done well enough to, and they're sufficiently motivated to get their school exams and go to college or university then? Yeah, or they're studying college. Right. So well, what do you think has happened for these kids? Actually, for these kids, they, some of them, they're from CCC family um, and and when the CCC family, when they are promoted to college, they will stop their living costs to support them. So they need to uh, uh, work to support their living by themselves. So they study and one way study, and then one way they need to work to support their living. And you know, in the past uh, two years, because COVID-19, and many of them uh, unemployed or unemployed, so it's very hard for them to support their living by themselves. And some of them, they are from low-income family, and many of their family uh, parents, they are actually they are unemployed or unemployed. So they, uh, I think they facing really a, a, a big economic hardship in, in the past two years. All right, so let's uh, bring in Angus uh, Chan, a researcher at the Mingwa Youth Office. I, I know you do a lot of research on youth in Hong Kong. What do you make of uh, Ms. C's uh, survey findings? I mean, does it sound about right that nearly one in four young people here have uh, opted to lie flat? Well, we do think that we're a bit surprised by the figure because, um, as you know, we do a lot of um, dialogue with young people as well. And the majority of them, especially in sort of publications such as, such as Youth Beige, the young people we speak to, they're actually quite positive and they have quite a proactive outlook in life. So what we think um, has contributed to this survey result is that um, it's influenced by the COVID outbreak where um, lots of people were in lockdown. So that definitely ha- gives them a slightly pessimistic outlook on life. And also, we, we would question, are we looking at lying flat in a bit of a giving a bit of a narrow definition by focusing only on economic productivity. Because what we are seeing right now is that young people, they are less inclined to partake in traditional life paths. So they're not actively looking for stable jobs or what we would call settling down. But then, but that doesn't mean that they're not doing anything. They're just finding a meaningful lifestyle that that is related to their own interests and passions. So instead of lying flat, what we're thinking is they're just trying to improve their lives in other ways that is not defined by economic productivity. Or or do you think there's an element of actual depression here? Because that does seem to be a factor for many youth at the moment. Well, mental health has always been a tricky issue with um, young people, but we're always... Well, we, the way we see it is that most of these um, so-called lying flat youths, it's more of a phase for them. So it's not a permanent life outlook per se, but it's more that at this current moment in time, they're a bit lost, but we don't think that this is going to be a permanent problem. Mr. Chang, what about some of the issues that uh, Ms. C just mentioned? Uh, for example, high property prices. Uh, um, do you think uh, this might be an issue that, of course, some people, some young people to choose to lie flat? Well, definitely. I mean, Hong Kong, Hong Kong has been the, has the least affordable housing market in the world for 12 year running. So it's not it's not exactly healthy. But then 
we are also thinking that that actually has led to a change in youth mindset. So now they're not looking for traditional markers of success. They're not actively going for buying a house or actually getting a high paying job. They're now more focused on pursuing their own interests. So they're, for example, they're doing slash, they're more slashers because they want to dabble in different aspects of life. What, what's that word you just used? Slash. So instead of having one job, they, they'd probably be doing quite a few different things. For example, they could be a designer, a photographer, and a film director all at the same time. So they're pursuing multiple interests, but not in the traditional sense. All right, Miss Missy? So, so what do you think of what Mr. Chan has been saying, uh, that uh, the, the number of people, the number of young people who have uh, chose to lie flat and may have been uh, uh, worse, may have worsened because of the COVID uh, situation? Uh, I think you, it, it, there has some impact uh, of the, because of COVID-19. Uh, but of course, because it's nice, uh, apart from this, they're also because of the, uh, some of the system problems. Of it. As I say about the welfare system, the the, the low-income system, actually they, uh, they stop to support them uh, when they promote courage and they, they so they, it's quite hard for them. They need to immediately to handle with study and, and their job. For example, we have used that they, um, they have the, they, uh, uh, the courage offer them their internship to, to practice in their field and of course it's not uh, a, a compulsory, but if they have a choice to, to have an internship, it will be good for them to their career development. But because it's not uh, a low salary subsidy, so she needs to work in summer to support her incoming uh, year to support her living costs. So he need, she needs to give up the internship. Uh, and, and and then she find actually it's, it's, it's advantage to her, but she has no choice. She needs, to, she needs to give up. And people may be saying she's just name, name Fred because she gave up so good uh, opportunity, but actually it's not his, her cho- choice. And besides, for example, they need to work to support themselves. And they said, uh, for example, their boss has the deadline of about their work and their requirements. So not sometimes we affect their study. Uh, for example, they study, they need hand, hand, hand on their homework or this examination, they will cash with their work at that night. And they sometimes they will, they will, they will miss their class or they, they will miss their deadline of homework, this kind of thing. And people do think they are lazy or something, but actually they are not. They are really, really hardworking to earn the living, the support in order they can study for, uh, in, in coming years. Uh, and besides, actually, we also asked them, you know, the, the Secretary for Education uh, um, uh, said um, they to add a hurricane value inside a, a, a student study, and 80% of them agree with them. And then 80% of also they think their, their, their classmates, their friends, they already have hurricane. So I think sometimes um, they, the delaying threat of of the youth they are thinking about uh, is not as the outside that they're thinking about. So this is the difference, I think, yeah. So are we talking about a bit of a millennial problem of expectations here? Because I'm sure you did. I don't know about you, Janice, but I work right through university, either pulling pints or delivering things, generally having to pay my way. Why does this generation assume that they won't have to work their way through college? Uh, 
they uh they do they they I think they want to they they don't uh okay say they don't think they should not work in the college. But I think the problem is uh if if they have to work, otherwise they cannot survive. They cannot study. That will be a problem. Because sometimes they will cash in cash of the study time. And besides in Hong Kong actually they most of the these people they only work in very grassroots work and then the the working time is cannot control by themselves. So they cannot they cannot say, Oh, I want to work now and then they can work. And uh, sometimes they, they need to go to study, they to take exam but they still to work and fulfill the boss requirement. Otherwise they, they cannot have a job. And then they when, once they lose their job they will uh, they even cannot survive. Uh, they don't have any even cause for themselves. All right, uh, let's go to uh, Dr. Rizwan Ula, a member of the Youth Commission. Uh, good morning and uh, welcome to the program. Um, Dr. Ula, we, we just heard about uh, Ms. C's survey that found nearly one out of four young people uh, opted to lie flat here. And uh, Mr. Chan, earlier he says the number may have, been, uh, may have increased because of the COVID situation. What are your thoughts on this issue? Well, uh, I would agree with uh, uh, the, the, uh, the fact that with COVID, uh, the, the whole situation has been uh, changed in a different direction where the, the COVID has created a lot of uh, boundaries or a lot of obstacles to normalcy in life for every individual and especially for teenagers uh, who, who can't go to school or their social life are all being affected by the pandemic. And definitely this negative thinking or thinking of not, uh, of lying flat would be, would be there. So I think that is one fundamental reason uh, why there is such finding in, uh, in the set survey. But I think uh, regardless of the situation uh, for like me, myself, growing up in Hong Kong uh, from a grassroots background, I think... Uh, there are far more opportunities now, and it's how we can actually match and do this coherence making so that our youth see their future and then they would tap on these opportunities. And, uh, uh, well, as we all know, like uh, coming up, there will be a new bureau, the uh, uh, Home and Youth Affairs uh, Bureau that will be uh, from July 1st, there'll be a dedicated bureau, and uh, I, I, I personally think this will create another platform where synchronized efforts will be in place uh, to look after different kind of youths in our society. Right. And Dr. Ola, you just uh, described lying flat as uh, negative thinking. But, but could um, opting to lie flat and not join the rat race just be a way of saying they have uh, different priorities in life, uh, like uh, what Mr. Chan was suggesting earlier? Well, uh, I, I will put it in this way. Uh, if you're lying uh, flat, uh, I mean, everyone has different life goals. If you are able to achieve what you want, and uh, you are uh, not unhappy about it, then I think that's okay. But I mean, if, uh, if like let's say, if we have uh, opportunities and then the kids are not being tapped, then we, uh, from the uh, community perspective, we have to see how we can get our youth more of these opportunities. Because I believe if there are little opportunities, uh, or I would say, maybe I put it in this way, if we have opportunities, because I believe if opportunities, if the uh, kids, they have the uh, 
experience to try different success, they will aim high. And then for a society, we need you, okay, for the development of our society. And uh, I think if the big proportion are lying, but then that's not a good thing for the society, isn't it? So that's why uh, there should be uh, a check and balance and see how are you uh, aspiring. And as teachers ourselves, we would also want to aspire our students to, to think higher and aspire more. And of course, if they have that aspiration and then and then they think, oh, okay, we have experienced that and we want to, you know, do the minimum, that, then that thinking would be okay from that angle. Well, as Mr. But Chan said earlier, that there's this new phenomenon of slashing where they dabble and do a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of the other. How is that conducive with doing internships and having medium to long-term goals and really settling down and focusing on a career? Well, I think this is this phenomenon uh, might be new to Hong Kong, but uh, it's not new to uh, other places. Like when kids, you know, they don't want to get into traditional nine to five or a routine schedule, but they want to try find out what their career life goal is. I think it's perfectly fine. But then the point is, we are talking about if you have no exposure, no experience, then you will actually be uh, touching this, touching that with, uh, through a lot of uh, trial and error. And if, if we have something for you where you can actually uh, don't have to go through a big process of uh, overcoming that information cost, then I think this is something that we can do at this day and age. If you look at the experience from Japan, I think uh, that can be some insight for, for us to look at this issue, this phenomena. All right. And uh, Miss C, let's go back to you. Um, although we've been talking about some of the, the young people who have opted to lie flat, but, but there are many, around uh, 60%, according to your survey, that have opted not to lie flat. Um, Miss C, what, what can be done to help provide more support for, for these young people to help them climb up the social ladder? Yeah, um, I think they, we for the community, they can provide more opportunity for them uh, actually, for example, the internship, and and but but we also we talk about with some uh, supporter. We was uh, for about the internship where we request they have some uh, salary uh, because uh, they really need to to choose uh, uh, to work to earn their living in the coming year, so they can continue their study or they uh, go to internship. If the internship is no no pay no payment, so um, we we. We we discuss with the um, funder whether they can can provide uh, uh, some uh, uh, subsidy for for the for the internship. That will be so they will be helpful for them. Otherwise, they have no choice because um, they need to earn their living for the for their, 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 their coming year. Uh, and besides, um, we also can uh, provide more activity um, uh, for them to widen their vision and also to build up their confidence. Um, because some of them, they actually they are very quite weak in uh, this, and and some of them actually in their development, um, uh, um, in the past, for example, in in the primary, secondary, they, they actually their parents they don't have a high education to teach them English or they teach them uh, uh, all the academic uh, things, and so they need tutorial class something like that, but. The, their family cannot pay for that. 
so uh, if the government they have this kind of sub, sub, uh, subsidy, and um, for example, the uh, we have the whole person development education uh, uh, policy, and so they need to pay for uh, learn uh, skills. Um, but actually, they don't have enough uh, subsidy from the government. So they um, and then their families can support them, so they cannot to earn a skills. And so there are many things. And, and many obstacles, so we we have to provide them some basic support for them. And actually, we from our experience, many this kind of youth they are really hardworking, and um, and they also they they know they are from poor family. They need to hardworking. They they cannot give up. They want to uh, to be a a, a a a good person, and then to take in, they can outstanding, and then to help their family. Uh, but some of them, they said, they sometimes they need to accept the reality. They sometimes actually they, it's hard for them to, to make it, and sometimes they need to give up some opportunities, so maybe this kind of thing. Dr. Ula, what do, what do you think of Ms. C's uh, suggestion? And uh, do you have other suggestions that can help these, uh, uh, maybe these young people who who maybe uh, may come from uh, grassroots families? Well. Uh I agree with uh, what the earlier speaker has mentioned, but uh, uh, let me put it this way. I think uh, the overall theme should be how we can improve the uh, upward mobility. Like the key word is improve. And to do this, uh, I think apart from what we have right now, like uh, well, if you look at the structure, like in government, you have one of the advisory uh, bodies, like which is the Youth Development Commission, but at the same time with the upcoming uh, new bureau, uh, they would be working on a, a, a youth policy where I think many of these uh, funding issues and these things would be looked at, definitely. But I think what is more important, I think uh, we need to provide our kids with, uh, like kids who cannot go through the regular and traditional way of schooling, they can have some high quality vocational training and more opportunities for employment so that uh, they will see things very differently and find opportunities within the niche that they have never thought. And then next, they can also, uh, uh, what we have to do is actually to uh, uh, foster and cultivate a mindset where our kids have this lifelong learning, uh, where you know the key essence of aspiration and resilience are also trained. I'm glad you use uh, that word resilience because that's jumping out at me. I observe yeah. that kids, particularly the millennial age group, and we're talking about people up to the age of 25, not just 17-year-olds here, is that they write one job application and then they're outraged when they don't get a reply or they apply for two internships when in reality you need to apply for 20. And they seem to have a great sense of entitlement, in my experience, and a lack of or reality. Maybe, maybe I think sometimes... Uh, we always see some YouTube influencers or Instagram influencers or TikTok influencers. We see the only the uh, their success only, but we don't see how much hard work they have behind. And it's actually the uh, quoting your example. Uh, our kids need to be taught like these adequate and the experience, and it's very normal. I mean, if you apply for one job uh, for for a job, you need to send hundreds and two hundreds of CVs. Exactly. And now, these is, are learning is, experiences. Is that the job and of some, parents or the educators to deal with this? I think it's everyone. Parents play an important role. School play an important role, and society also provides an important role. If we 
treat them as you know in uh, like babies overprotective our kids will not be resilient enough uh, so if we can create those lab conditions where we can make them more resilient and aspiring more and also uh, a growth mindset we can change things but in, then, in reality, we've got jobs like, uh, well, the whole seafaring industry. They're crying out for people to work and go to sea. But there seems to be no big move by government to promote that as a career option. And yet Hong Kong is a global maritime center. Uh, this requires a consent, uh, concerted effort. I mean, uh, most of the time, sometimes it is the branding and marketing where we actually missed uh, these things uh, because you think different. Like when I was you, I think very differently from those people who were giving me advice. And I'm sure because of this generation gap, we need to understand the language of our youth and pitch things from the user angle. And then they will see things very differently. And this is something we hope with the new bureau, our discourse will change a little bit. All right. Uh, all right, Dr. Ola. All right, Dr. Ula, we'll have to take a short break for the news summary very soon. Thank you again, um, Mr. Ula and Ms. C for joining us this morning. That's uh, uh, Silai Sandi, Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organization, and Rizwan Ula, a member of the Youth Commission. And uh, Mr. Chan, you'll be staying with us for a bit longer so we can continue our discussion after the news at nine, when we will be joined by another member of the Youth Commission, Jeremy Young. And uh, if you want to ask questions or share your views on today's topics, remember you can give us a call. Our number is two. 33882266 and now a, a quick look at the weather it will be mainly fine very hot during the day the top temperature will be around 33 degrees winds moderate southerlies and the very hot weather warning is now in effect right now it's 30 degrees and the relative humidity is 75% the capsizing before the owners announced the news on Monday. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Wednesday morning with Anna Fenton and me, Janice Wong. Let's go straight back to our discussion on the phenomenon of lying flat among young Hong Kongers. Still with us on the line is Angus Chan, a researcher from the ming Youth Office. And also joining our discussion now is Jeremy Young, a member of the Youth Commission. And uh, just a reminder, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to contact us. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 233. 88266 and our Facebook page is Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Good morning, Mr. Young. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, just before the news summary, we were talking about the uh, phenomenon of lying flat among some of our youth here. Um, Mr. Young, do you think it's a problem or, or like what I was discussing with other guests before the news summary, that uh, lying flat could just be a way of showing that uh, they simply have other priorities in life? I think this phenomenon being coined as lying flat could be um, dangerous. Um, first of all, what are the evidence that shows that youths are not trying or prioritizing other things? It's a very catchy phrase, but I hesitate to use it um, often because it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. What I have seen um, participating in the youth Development Commission is that despite uh, COVID uh, leading to many of our events being moved online, uh, many youth still participated. Uh, they applied to the events, they attended the events, 
um, despite the numbers being a lot less than uh, otherwise. But I still see a lot of sparks in their eyes, a lot of ambition and very hardworking and curious youth. However, um, I don't think it's just the youth. The entire society of Hong Kong has been caught um, in this seemingly never-ending fight against COVID, which it is both necessary but also unfortunate, especially when the rest of the world has decided to adopt a different strategy. Um, so are, are you saying that they're all in some kind of COVID-induced online trance and so can't snap out of this into the real world? I, I think we, are all, we have all adapted. We have all adapted because for the past two and a half years, especially those entering youth, um, for the past two years, we've all been teenagers um, and it is a very critical time of our life. We have different thoughts, we try different things, we can rebel. We say no to everything for a while. Um, but when that happens during a time of uh, pretty serious social distancing, I think we need to really pay a lot of attention on their emotional well-being, their psychology, what are they thinking, what are their stress points, is there a release valve? I think what the YDC has done is we we just kept going, right? At least we... we give them an option to have some sort, some sort of um, social networking, etc. But it is, it is troubling for, for me personally, um, not just our youth, but the entire society. I think the entire society must, we, we, well, we, we are in Hong Kong, some have left, um, and I think we just have to keep going. I think there is light at the end of the tunnel, um, but youth is, yes, definitely a very important part of our society because they are going through this critical time of their lives. Um, so it is, it, it is concerning, but I, I wouldn't use the, coin, uh, the, the phrase that much because it, it, can, it can even give them an excuse um, by saying, well, the, the rest of the world has told us that we are lying flat, so we might as well. So I really, really don't like that phrase. So if we're to avoid using that as some kind of a cop-out, what's the missing link here? You know, the F&B industry right now is crying out, having, having fired lots of people, they're now crying out to get staff and can't. And the, as I say before, the, the, the seafaring industry is, is crying out for young recruits. What does it take to bridge this gap and make these traditional careers appeal to the techie kids that, that seem to maybe not be thinking of these more normal, boring, useful jobs? Well, I think as a, a Liberal Party member, uh, our chairman has in the past um, suggested that for selected industries and selected levels of the work, we should explore in, importing uh, workers who are willing to do and uh, are, are skilled to do those tasks. How is that going to help? Um, well, for Hong Kong to develop, we are always trying to, and we, we have moved up the uh, what I call economic food chain. Right? But then don't you just create, like in the UK, you create an underclass of people who are imported, like with the West Africans in the, um, in, in the, um, and the Caribbean people in the 60s and 70s in the UK. The London Underground was short people, so they imported people from the colonies, and they created a sort of, you know, too good for us type of atmosphere for the local Brits who won't do those kind of jobs anymore. Well, I think um, 
first of all, it's a different country. <laughs> We're a city. Second, that, that's a country that colonized dozens of countries. Uh, we were colonized. So I think it, we cannot compare Britain to Hong Kong. What I can think of, potentially compare a little bit, might be our friendly, competitive neighbor, Singapore, uh, who have uh, successfully, I think, um, implemented a controlled um, import of labor to fill the gaps. But that's now, not what we're talking about, is it? We're not talking about a lack of warm bodies. We're talking about young people who can't, won't choose not to enter the traditional labor market where there is a need. Well, we are a free market, so if they don't want to do a particular job and that job is needed, you tell me how to fill it. You, do you want to do it? If you don't want to do it, someone needs to do it. Um, and if our youth are educated and trained to do something of a higher economic value output role, great, that, that is worth celebrating. If they want to do artificial intelligence farming, if they want to do robotic medicine, great. Um, if they don't want to be uh, doing relatively mundane and physically um, hard uh, role, fine. I think it is great. It is an inevitable outcome of our education system, which trains and educates our youth for the future economy and, and lets the robots or um, art, you know, um, automation take over for those parts. It has always been the human civilization to progress. It is a necessary step. All right, so let's go to uh, Mr. Chan for a moment. Uh, Mr. Chan? Um, what do you think of uh, what Mr. Young has been saying that uh, uh, we shouldn't? It's dangerous to use this term "lying flat" because uh, it would uh, only give uh, uh, young people an excuse to to really lie flat. Well, I do agree, and statistically, we have we haven't seen a lot of signs that young people are lying flat. We are not seeing that they are withdrawing from the job market. They're still heavily participating in job markets, looking for different kinds of work. They're still working very long hours compared to some of their older counterparts. So we're not seeing those numerical signs of lying flat. And I do think that it's, I do understand with what Jeremy was saying about how we shouldn't be pushing them towards FMB or, or labor intensive jobs, because isn't it our human nature, I think not just for this, this new generation, but even for our generation, that we all want some nice, cushy, office jobs, 9 to 5 in an air-conditioned office. I think that's just sort of what humans inherently desire. So what we're, th what we're saying is that we shouldn't be saying that we have to push them towards a job per se. What we should be actually be doing is focusing on what young people actually want and how we can provide opportunities that fit their interests. That's for the better betterment of the society as a whole, instead of just pigeonhole, pigeonholing them into any sort of jobs just so that we can say that now they have a job. But Mr Chan, it doesn't work that way, does it? If you don't get somebody into some sort of an activity that gives them purpose and meaning, they will never find out what it is that they want. And even if they do a year as a waiter, they will learn other skills along the way, even if it's not their lifelong career goal. That's how it works. Young people, in my experience, won't learn what it is that they want until they start somewhere. And sitting at home closeted with your laptop on TikTok is not going to do that. But that's the thing, that they're not just sitting in their room closeting up 
uh, on TikTok, calling themselves watching TikTok or YouTube. Nowadays, they're actually doing a lot more than that. They're thinking about how they could start their own YouTube channels. They're, they're thinking about how they could use media, for example, such as Twitch and all these sort of streaming platforms to make their own living. They are still accumulating skills. They're just not doing it the way we used to do it, by working in a McDonald's or being a waiter. They're doing it online. We're not saying that they're not accumulating new skills or actually finding out what they want. Right. So, so Mr. Chan and Mr. Young, both of you agree that uh, most young people, um, they do work hard and uh, they don't choose to lie flat. So, so what do you think the government uh, should do or can do to offer more assistance to them so to help them climb up the social ladder? that um, they should be reducing the disparity between the high income and low and low income families, especially after COVID, we're seeing from many countries that there has been exacerbation of inequalities. So what we're saying is that the government might need to provide more support for low income families. For example, they might give them education subsidies so that um, they can make up for the loss of learning learning abilities during online learning. Mr. Young? I think uh, for youth, I, um, they, they are under extreme pressure being a student. If the government can relieve the stress of education, uh, that can help. I don't know what uh, exactly how to manage the curriculum, but uh, students are very stressed all the time uh, under pressure, exams, tests, homework. So that, that can be something done. Second thing is particularly related to COVID. It's there are there are definitely more youth um, relatively addicted or uh, prone to be uh, on their devices. Uh, as you said, TikTok, it could be online gaming, it could be anything, YouTube, etc. So we need to reclimatize them back to the physical world rather than uh, staring at the screen because staring at the screens will not jumpstart their career into what uh, the economy needs. So whose job is that? Is it the government's? Is it their family? Whose job is that? Because what you talk about is very real. We're seeing a huge increase in online uh, changes to the brain caused by online activity. All that jumping around mentally gives you, takes away your ability to concentrate. And this is very real. So whose job is it to get them re-grounded in a physical world? Well, I think as a youth, ultimately the paternal uh, responsibility lies with the parents, right? Uh, you can't rely on the government to raise your child. That is uh, ridiculous. But the government is responsible for giving maybe the parents and the child uh, some form of direction and hope and the right platform for the parents to be able to uh, really raise the kids again, to be honest. Uh, because in the past, we couldn't go out, we couldn't have, uh, have gatherings, we can't travel, really. Well, we can, but a lot of sacrifices. Um, so it is the government's responsibility to, to lead the way, but ultimately I think it is the parents and the youth themselves to walk that path. All right, and we're going to have a new administration very soon. Um, what do you think should be uh, the new administration's priority when it comes to youth development, uh, Mr. Young? Well, uh, I think they're definitely stepping in the right direction. They already announced that there will be a new bureau specifically uh, looking after youth, whereas before it's always been a subcommittee, a commission, but now it's a real bureau. So I think that is already the right direction. Just add a lot of ammunition onto that bureau, and I think we are on the right track.
Now, in, in that new commission, there's been a lot of talk about the need to increase a sense of patriotism among the youth. Do you think that would be a unifying element that brings them all together and makes them more industrious? Uh, for that part, I think it, it will be uh, moving into the right direction. I mean, who doesn't want our youth to be patriots? <laughs> Mr. Chan, what do you think? What are your expectations for the new administration in terms of youth policies? I do agree with Jeremy saying that the, Mr. Yang saying that this is a step in the right direction, but we also hope that this is an opportunity for um, the government to actually reconnect with young people, especially at grassroots levels. Because what we think should start is that they should start by listening to what young people actually want, what are their sort of desires, and what are their dreams. Because that way we can actually tailor for for a comprehensive strategy almost to actually understand how we can help this new generation of people develop and for the betterment of our society in general. And just finally, uh, Mr. Chan, you've been talking about uh, finding out what uh, young people want a lot. Um, you, you do, you do uh, have a lot of contact with young people. What do they actually want? Well, from what we're seeing, we've just actually just published a blueprint um, detailing in all different areas what young people actually need. But what we're seeing is that they want the opportunity to pursue their different interests. Most of them feel that in Hong Kong, it's actually quite narrow nowadays. You, you usually go end up going into finance, law, insurance, that, that type of industries. They actually want to see a more diverse sort of work, um, job market so that they can actually pursue their different interests and they still have a good opportunity of succeeding in this society. All right, uh, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again, Mr. Chan and Mr. Young, for joining us this morning. That's uh, Angus Chan, a researcher of the Ming Wai Youth Development Commission, and uh, Jeremy Young is a member of the Youth Development Council. It's now 18 minutes past nine, and it's time for us to move on to our final topic today, and that is on the Jumbo Floating Restaurant that capsized off the South China Sea less than a week after being towed away from Aberdeen Harbour. To comment on the latest development, we have on the line Lo Kin Hei, a former Southern District Councillor and the Chairman of the Democratic Party. Good morning, Mr Lowe. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the programme. So what do you make of this whole saga? Well, I think that it's a very saddening story. Uh, you know, when it is told uh, and leaving Hong Kong, uh, I think I have said not just one time, I've said many times that uh, it will never come back if it is... Uh, if if it is gone, uh, but it is a very dramatic way to leave uh, Hong Kong in a way, and I, I think that is more saddening uh, that uh, actually we had a lot of chances to save it, to, to keep it in Hong Kong, uh, to save its uh, journey, not to uh, traveling uh, to the open area, open ocean, uh, and I think all the people who didn't try hard enough to keep it in the area is uh, is, is to blame for. You said uh, we, we had lots of chances to save it. Could it have gone uh, differently? Yeah, of course, because, you know, uh, for example, the government, uh, Carrie Lam has said uh, in, a, in her policy address that um, the, the ocean power will take over the jumbo floating restaurant uh, and to keep it in, a, in, in the southern area, southern uh, district, to, to keep uh, help the Invigorating Island South project. Uh, 
And and afterwards, uh, when the Jumbo Floating Restaurant and uh, uh, Ocean Park, they didn't come together uh, a formula or a way to let the Ocean Park to take over, then everything is just gone. It's, it's just unimaginable because, you know, it is something that uh, Carrie Lam herself uh, emphasized so much. It, 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 it's so emphasized. She's so, so, so emphasized to put it into her policy address. Uh, it, it seems to us that... Uh, the government is is keen to keep it, but but after the failure in dealing in, in having a deal with the ocean park, uh, then the whole thing is gone and, and the passion is gone. What what's happened there? And and for the for the owner as well, I think um, we 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 never have uh, any idea that there is a license that will be overdue or or, or it will be expired uh, in June. This year, uh, if that is known, uh, I mean earlier, uh, a few months ago or half a year ago, a lot of people will can, can come up with some new ideas on how to deal with it uh, instead of having to tow it away and find a place in somewhere in Southeast Asia to uh, to store it and to repair it. I think that is that is very unfortunate that the whole saga came to this end. Well, it, it just came to economic reality in the end, didn't it? It was costing Melco a million Hong Kong dollars a month just for the air, co- just to keep the air cons running which on is, board. Which is totally affordable for Hong Kong government. <laughs> frankly, frankly speaking, if we are talking about uh, Ocean Park, uh, the government has uh, injected a few billions of dollars into it. You just give you just give a few million dollars, the the, the jumbo floating restaurant will will be will be okay to run each year. So it, it's a very affordable and it's a very sensible choice because it doesn't it doesn't only mean a restaurant. It's it's not only a business that. It's the culture of the uh, whole fishing village uh, history of Hong Kong, and you can't find it anywhere. Uh, well, there were three of them originally, remember, and one of them yep. somehow made its way to Manila, so it was able to float quite a long way without sinking before. Yes, uh, yes, and, and I think that is some. There, there are a lot of people having a lot of questions on how and why uh, the ship sinks, uh, um, and, and there are even some people said that uh, during the time that the company mentioned the South China Sea is not particularly bad. Uh, uh, the weather in, in South China Sea is not particularly bad. So uh, there are, it, it raises a lot of questions and I think the company uh, or even the government uh, have to tell us what is happening there. And if it is a ship that is uh, so vulnerable, uh, did they ever expect it uh, to, to, there will be some problems there if they tow it to the open sea. So why are still they doing? So uh, I think a lot of uh, reasonable uh, questions that the public is asking. I, I hope there is an answer. Do we expect to get an answer, really? I mean, it's a private company dealing with an asset that in reality is too expensive to salvage now, isn't it, from a depth of a thousand metres? Well, I, I still have hope. Uh, of course, I, I, I know that it is a p- private company and uh, there is uh, no legal obligation for them to tell the public what has happened. Uh, but I think uh, at this 
point of time, I, I, I've seen that the Marine Department in Hong Kong, uh, they asked the ship owners to, to give a report. Uh, I, I think at least that report could give us something, uh, what, what, what is happening there. I, I think uh, we deserve, the Hong Kong people deserve to have an answer. And, and what about the government? Uh, do you think they should uh, follow up on this uh, further? Well, I think they should follow up on the preservation of the Thai Park seafood, uh, uh, which is still in the Aberdeen Harbour. Uh, you know, I have, I, I, I don't, I don't expect the jumbo floating restaurants to be back in Hong Kong because uh, uh, I, I, I'm not sure who is going to to try to salvage uh, to, to to take it back from the ocean. Uh, so I think the Thai Park, which is still located in the Aberdeen. Uh, of shelter, uh, it should be uh, the government should have much much more uh, sense on how to keep it and not to repeat this uh, jumbo uh, tragedy uh, in the future. So, uh, if we wind back a month or so, the first part of this to go astray was the uh, the kitchen block, which sank yep. in full view of everybody, and nobody tried to retrieve that. So. You know, if you were reading the tea leaves, you'd think that people weren't that interested in generally salvaging this whole project, were they? Well, I think there is a lot of interest uh, if the government is willing to take up the uh, repair, uh, the few million dollars uh, uh, expenses per year. Uh, I think I think a lot of NGOs will be happy to have a have a have a have a floating sh- uh, restaurant or, or have a have a very traditional uh, scene, a very traditional um, area for them to run services or to operate to to keep help 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 the uh, history of the uh, Hong Kong fishing village alive. Uh, I think there will be a lot of different projects, funny, interesting projects, if the government is willing to give a few million dollars per year. Uh, again, I think it is very affordable uh, for the Hong Kong government. Uh, so it, it, it all depends whether or not uh, the government is willing to do something. Uh, and I think even though uh, the government is not willing to pay that amount of money, uh, there may be still some uh, business interest in that. Uh, it, it's, it, I would say uh, the past owner uh, or the, the current owner of the Jumbo Floating Restaurant, they didn't do a good business in the past uh, decade. Uh, but it doesn't mean that the Jumbo Floating Restaurant or the Floating Restaurant's business is uh, is something destined to be losing money. Uh, so I think that that, that, that is uh, something I believe as well. So if the government is willing to take up on the remaining Thai part, um, maybe uh, they can try to have a have a have a bill uh, to, to try to see if anybody is 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 willing to run that. Okay, so we hope that the government will step in and save. It's the Taipan, right? The uh, the one that's left. The Taipan, yes. Taipan. The, 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 the last one remaining. All right. Uh, uh, Mr. Lowe, I have an email here, and uh, it says, uh, Dear Backchat, um, it's always been noted that Hong Kong had so many chances to save Jumbo, but in fact, there has been basically, but it, but the fact that. Uh, but in fact, there has been basically done in this regard. Melco, the owners, said they would pass it over free of charge to a new owner or operator, but rejected all 
all, it, all of it to a bankrupt Ocean Park who did nothing for a year. People are saying it was not known about it needing a license or running out of time. And uh, there have been many approaches made to Malco and Ocean Park who did nothing. Now, of course, all comments and regrets are pointless as it's uh, 1,000 meters below the sea. And uh, it's very regrettable and uh, could easily have been sorted out under the Hong Kong government. Um, do you have anything to respond to that, Mr. Lowe? Well, I think, I, I think the, 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 the company is uh, also having... Uh, they, they should also tell the Hong Kong people... Uh, because I have heard rumors that uh, some people or some companies uh, are interested in taking up or bailing out the Jumbo Fogging restaurant, uh, but the, the company uh, didn't uh, really uh, uh, accept that deal. Uh, I, I, I can't be sure uh, whether or not it is uh, entirely true, or if, but if it is true, I think the, the company should also tell us why is that happening and why they rejected the bill if they're ready to, to, to give it to anybody uh, the government appointed. So uh, they're not earning money there. So uh, I think that is, uh, that is something that uh, the, the, the company should tell the Hong Kong people as well. All right, uh, Mr. Lowe, we're out of time, but thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's uh, Lo Kinhei, a former Southern District Councillor. And of course, uh, thank you, Anna, my co-host for today. And uh, now here's the weather. It'll be mainly fine and very hot during the day with highs of around 33 degrees. Winds moderate southerlies. And uh, just a reminder that the very hot weather warning is now in effect. At the moment, it's 30 degrees, relative humidity, 77%. Stability is the cornerstone of development. For the past 25 years, Hong Kong has been resilient when facing challenges. Today, we embrace more development opportunities. Through integrating into the national development and with the advantage of one country, two systems, Hong Kong will boost its economy, improve people's livelihood, and consolidate its international standing. Let's build Hong Kong's future together. A new era. Stability. Prosperity. Opportunity. It's 9.30, the news with Todd Harding. Classes at more than a dozen schools in Tinsoi Wai will be suspended today due to the power problems caused by last night's blackout.